All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 17 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway, please play responsibly. Ontario only, must be 19 years of age or older. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Fellas, how's it going? Beebs, you're dressed like a bag of Skittles here. You look great. How's it going, bud? Yeah, this is uh, what not to do when putting together a color palette, but um, I'm, uh, I need it just to bring some more energy. You know, we're getting hit by that, that post-Halloween, um, almost Christmas middle middle stage here, so I thought I'd bring the, bring the flavor. I'm also wearing a, oh my God, Santa shirt, so... Um, bit diehard of a christmas fan i mean uh goes goes right hand in hand with my fantasy hockey love so i figured i'd bring the two to the pod this week but uh, we're doing good over here um still doing quite successful in fantasy so until that that stops we're gonna we're gonna keep bringing that heat how are you doing though d doing good man i got my ducks lit on honoring uh nashville predators legend paul korea today uh my favorite player of all time and you heard him uh, Every young boy from Nashville's favorite player growing up too. Um, I think was it literally just a couple of years ago, right? Forsberg and uh, was it Yossi or Duchesne? A couple, couple of them beat his record, or maybe just one. You know what? I got to figure it out right now. It was just Duchesne. No, it was Yossi and Duchesne. Back mm. it up, Yossi Duchesne. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite piece of trivia for the longest time. Was that Paul Korea had the single season point record for the Nashville Predators? He's now third 
uh, in their history, in case you guys were wondering. But roundabout way of saying I'm doing great, guys, and I'm happy to be here. Uh, and we got plenty of names to talk through today, so I will stop talking nonsense, and I will hand it over to the man of the hour, Mr. Brock Segan. Yeah, the fact that he went uh, 85 and 76 points in back-to-back seasons with the Predators, just absolutely legendary Paul Korea stuff. But uh, yeah, like he said, we have a lot to cover on today's show, so we can't waste too much time. Let's dive right in. We're going to get to a few waiver wire pickups. If you've been listening to the morning report uh, this week, you're probably going to hear a couple names repeated. Um, but for those of you who don't have time to listen to me talk three times, four times a week, then we're going to go over a few names quickly. And then we're going to get to some buy low, sell high candidates. And as always, we'll wrap up the show with these streamers. I actually have a note on our script. Don't you dare forget about these streamers. So I will, uh, I will make sure. It's in all caps we- too. So we're not going to miss this one. Yeah. yeah. Brock was quite stern with himself today. Highlighted in yellow with an expletive in the middle. There's no way I forget. I will forget in about an hour. Or something. <laughs> um, okay. Wave wire pickups. We're going to start. We're going to go in uh, order of own percentage. We'll do skaters first. Talk about a couple goalies after as well. But right now, one of my favorites, if you need help on the blue line, is Travis Sanheim of the Philadelphia Flyers. He's up to 52% owned, but he's playing absolutely massive minutes on the Flyers back end. 25 minutes and 52 seconds per game. I believe that's third highest in the NHL. Um, only behind Drew Doughty, and I cannot remember who the other guy is. But anyway, it's a ton of minutes for Sanheim, 25, almost 26 minutes a night. Currently on the top pair and obviously the top power play unit as well. He's got 11 points, one goal, 10 assists in 13 games. Uh, 2.3 shots per game, shooting just 3.3% on ice, shooting percentage of 8.6%. It is John Carlson, correct. Thank you very much. Uh, So yeah, it it looks based on the, the metrics here that there is some room for even some growth from Sanheim. The Flyers have looked pretty solid so far. Obviously, getting Couturier and Atkinson back has been really, really beneficial for them. Uh, so, yeah, the amount of minutes that he's playing, it's it's really difficult to beat. Um, and then if that team is pretty solid all season, even if they're just kind of, you know, outside of the playoff bubble, he uh, he should have a big season. Do you guys have anything to add on Sanheim? He's eighth among all D-men in shots. That's, that's quite impressive for a guy who was not getting drafted by anyone. So uh, there's a reason this guy got a $50 million contract in the offseason, and they are going to treat him like their number one. So I, I love this pickup if you need help. Yeah, the bulk of his production coming at uh, even strength so far, too. Just uh, two power play points to his name. That power play just clicking at 8.9%. So uh, you could look at that one of two ways. You could say maybe it's not quite working, having him take the reins on that top power play unit as the quarterback. But you could also say 8.9% is just too dang low for any team, uh, let alone one with a, a decent amount of top-tier talent like the Flyers has. So uh, I'm hopeful, given his production at 5v5, that they'll give him time to kind of figure it out. He's obviously getting a lot of pucks on the net with the man advantage. So uh, the goals and the points should come uh, on the power play, not just for Sanheim, but for the Flyers in general. So, yeah, big Sanheim guy. Uh, love the ad right now. Next is Nick Schmaltz, who I, I said it on the morning report. I'm convinced that the 36% own percentage here is strictly DFO Fantasy Podcast listeners. I think we just keep talking about him. And like, why are all we doing this again? All of Why the listeners have already picked him up. And then like, there's just no one else out there that can pick him up that listens to the show. It's just everybody else that doesn't listen to the show hasn't picked him up yet. Cause somehow he's still 36% on. This is going on like three, two, three, like two and a half years now of just like point per game production when he's healthy. Uh, currently at 12 points through 12 games, four goals, eight assists. He has 30 shots on goal, which is two and a half shots per game. The metrics are solid. 13.3 shooting percentage, 9.6 on ice shooting percentage, no red flags there. Time on ice, currently 20 minutes and 23 seconds per game. He's playing on that top line with Hayton and Keller. Keller and Schmaltz have been 
dynamite this far. Barrett Hayton finally got off the schneid yesterday. It's actually crazy how little points Barrett Hayton has when Keller and Schmaltz are just going off. But anyways, it's not like Schmaltz has just had a nice start to the season. We're going back and back and back. And like he's over a point per game in his last 50 NHL games. Like He's legit when he's in the lineup. I'm not even going to throw it to you guys because I know you're going to just be like, yes, pick up. Oh, Beebs, you got one more nugget on Schmaltz. He is 16th among all forwards right now in ice time. All forwards. That's all I got to say. That leads to fantasy production. Pick this dude up. Come on. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's absolutely crazy. Next on the list is Nick Paul of the Tampa Bay Lightning Center left wing eligible, 36% owned. He's basically like the Walmart version of Chris Kreider uh, at this point. 13 games played. He's got seven goals, two assists, nine points, uh, 29 shots on goal, 2.2 shots per game. Shooting percentage is obviously super high at 24%, but so long as he's on that top power play unit as their net front presence, I do think that uh, Nick Paul is worth owning. He's uh, among the league leaders in power play goals right now. So, uh, playing with Stamkos at even strength, playing nearly 17 minutes a night, and on that top power play unit, I do think Nick Paul is going to continue to score goals. Probably not going to pick up a ton of helpers. Um, but yeah, basically, like if you're fine with having Chris Kreider on your team, you might as well have Nick Paul at this point as well. D, anything to add on Nick? No, just that the 5v5 production has actually been pretty steady as well, and it should probably continue to get better. They're creating a ton of scoring chances uh, at even strength and about uh, I think, yeah, 75-minute sample size uh, alongside Steven Stamkos at 5v5. Him and Paul averaging 41 scoring chances per 60, uh, 58% expected goals, 4%. So, um, yeah, a lot to like there in terms of the upside, not just on the power play, but at 5v5 moving forward as well. It looks like they found a nice little connection there um, with Paul and Stamkos. And I think, like, a lot of us maybe just got tricked into thinking that Paul was just kind of uh, a one-for-one like-for-life replacement with Alex Kalorn and that his upside would kind of be similarly capped. But it honestly seems like uh, he might have a little bit more potential and a little bit higher of a uh, ceiling to scratch, at least based off the sample size that we've gotten to date. So, yeah, pretty exciting start for him uh, and someone I'm definitely looking to make space for on my roster. Next on the list is Matthew Nyes, and he is a perfect example uh, of why we're doing more episodes because it would be too late for us to talk to talk about him really at this point. Um, if we were only doing one episode a week, I talked about him on Monday's uh, morning report. He was a great streaming target. And I said, as long as he's playing on that top line, he's probably got uh, season long value. That's certainly been the case. It's it's still early, but looked really, really good in his first game on that top line. Um, not really worth mentioning what he's done thus far, but he does still have seven points in 12 games, despite this only being playing one game on that top line. Super, super talented. Uh, if he can continue to, to look good on a line with Matthews and Marner, he's a definite must own in fantasy. So, Hopefully, uh, his own percentage was like around, I think, under 10% uh, on Monday when I mentioned he him as a streaming target and hopefully a, a season-long addition. So hopefully you already have him on your roster. If you don't and you're out there in the 65% of leagues that he's still available, make you make sure uh, you're making room for Matt Nyes right now because, yeah, like there's really, you know, very few spots in the NHL I'd rather have one of my players skating than on Matthews and Marner line right now. So uh d you're our resident maple Leafs fan you you were kind of we talked about this last week uh about how nice has looked good but like playing with camp and domi just really didn't make a lot of sense we were like i hope he gets moved to the top line we weren't the only ones Leafs fans everywhere were screaming for this it finally happened it clicked immediately it's like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense so uh what do you think about nice moving forward yeah i you know hopefully it just sticks uh there's no reason why it shouldn't it's been obviously uh, really encouraging so far, super small sample size, but they are just dominating the puck at even strength, which is no surprise. Matthews and Martin are going to do that anyway, but it's just been ticked up to another level with Nyes there as well. 
Uh, and it's not just his finishing ability and his offensive upside and his great hands and his great shot. He's really good at working in the corners too. Um, and just seems to just be kind of wise beyond his years in terms of his hockey sense. He's always going to the right place. It just seems to complement the two of them really well. So he seems like he could potentially do everything that, you know, Zach Hyman, Michael Bunting have done in that line in the past in terms of going into the dirty areas, getting them the puck and then having that much more offensive upside himself as well. So super, super exciting talent um, that is becoming a super exciting ad in fantasy so long as he stays on that top line. Next is Robert Thomas of the St. Louis Blues at 25% owned. 10 points in 11 games so far. Five goals, five assists, 22 shots on goal. 2.0 shots per game for Robert Thomas is about as good as you could expect. The shooting percentage obviously inflated at the moment, 22.7%. But the most important thing is that he's playing massive minutes. He's up over 20 minutes per night. So he's kind of like a Nick Schmaltz in, in that regard and playing humongous minutes. We've talked about him and Kairou a couple times already this season. There's not going to be a lot of goal scoring going on in St. Louis this season. But when the puck does go in the net, it's probably going to have something to do with Thomas or Kairou. So he's had a really, really nice start. Probably not going to get a ton of goals out of him, but the point production should be pretty solid throughout the season. But, uh, Biebs, you've been talking about Thomas quite a bit this season. Why do you like him so much? Oh, it's great to see. I mean, he's on a four-game goal streak right now, first of his career. So, Puck's clearly bouncing in the right way. But that's these are little things that help a guy like this who just absolutely dominates the assist category kind of fill out his, his overall categories as a whole. Because if he slows down right now and goes back to his regular, you know, 20, 18, 20-goal pace, he's still going to get over his... 20 goals that we've seen him or 19 goals that we've seen him average over the last two years. So I think this is a great sign, a great chance for him to get above that, that point per game mark yet again. Uh, we saw it in 2021, 22. So it's uh he's had a 57 assist pace over the last 82 season. So if you add that in with, with, you know, 20, 25 goals, we're getting right on there with 82. Um, so that's perfect. You love to see that. And for a guy this low owned, it's kind of crazy. Like you said, everything kind of is going to move through him. Everything has for the last two years. So this is nothing new. We saw a slow start from Cairo. We're going to see that get hotter. Um, we also saw him have a couple of points the other night, which was, was great to see. Um, Thomas, it's actually hilarious is under on under expect he's under expectations on assists right now. So, you know, that's going to come around um, absolute stud when it comes to additional puck. So great to see some puck luck. And like you said, on pace for the most shots in his career, um, which wasn't that hard to do because he, he averaged just over one and a bit a, a game. So good to see Robbie Tom's taking some rips. Yeah. The funniest thing about that whole thing you just said was that he's been on a 57 assist pace over the last 82 seasons, which that would be an incredible feat. Imagine he, he just, yeah. he just locked it in for <laughs> Just unbelievable. But yeah, 57 pace per 82 games over the last three seasons, just to correct yeah, that one for yeah, you. But so uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, no, Thomas has been really, really good. Uh, another young player to get excited about is Marco Rossi, just 16% owned in Minnesota. Seven points in 12 games so far this season, but the real interesting pit uh, bit of information is that he was recently promoted to the top line and it is a top line that looks like something you want every bit of. Uh, we are all big Kirill Kaprizov fans. Uh, we're all big Matt Boldy fans. And the fact that Rossi is in the middle of those two is very, very exciting. He was also promoted to the top power play unit as well. Uh, we kind of talked about it, how we wanted to see something other than Ryan Hartman next to Kaprizov to see what would happen. So Rossi getting this chance is really, really great. Um, two games over 20 minutes, which is amazing. Uh, like I said, seven points in 12 games so far, but the minutes have gone up considerably since he was moved to the top line, pretty quiet against the Islanders last night. But, uh, as long as he continues to skate with, uh, Kaprizov and Boldy, I want Rossi on my roster. 
the strict center eligibility is tough in deeper leagues. He's an absolute must own. You might have to make some room for him in a uh, larger league or uh, in a smaller league, excuse me. But yeah, he he's just been a terrific, terrific young prospect and in a you know real spot to shine here on this wild roster. Anything to add, D, on Marco Orossi? No, just finally uh, great to see him getting the opportunity. Like you said, we've been pining for this in the past. Um, and it just seems like a logical step to try and give your you know top 10 pick from a couple of years ago who plays down yeah. the middle of the ice the chance to see if you can actually have an elite offensive center playing in between Kaprizov uh, and whoever else. The fact that it's Matt Boldy is just all the more encouraging. Uh, and they finally got away from Zuccarello on that top line as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's great for Rossi. It's potentially great for Kaprizov, who's struggled a little bit to this point in the season, at least relative to what we're used to expecting out of him. Uh, and it really seems to have jump-started that line as a whole. Obviously, Matt Boldy coming back healthy has been huge as well. He just looks like he is truly on a mission and is going to be a breakout this year. And, yeah, hopefully Rossi can be a big part of it, get him uh, minutes on the top power play unit as well. They're rolling five forwards on that unit right now. So just uh, a whole lot to love, like you said. And it's always exciting to see someone with his sort of draft pedigree finally get the chance to to prove it and hopefully he gets that extended run because yeah it looks great so far six points in his last seven games uh a little bit over two shots a game and obviously going to be defecting a little bit or defecting a little bit to uh boldy and, and kaprizov in terms of his shot volume but um even if it's more of an assist for his total something to get really excited about for sure this is yeah. arguably like one of the biggest prospects we've seen probably the last couple of years as far as points come because he's dominated at every level. We saw him put up a point per game last year in the A. We saw him put up two points per game in the O. Um, so the translation here straight to the NHL is uh, is, is obviously a trend you want to jump on. So so I, I really, really like this Rossi pick. It was just a, a matter of time. Yeah, and what I was going to say is I think it was two episodes ago we were going over breakout candidates. Mine was Matt Boldy, and he was hurt at the time. Uh, but I'm fully back on board now that he's healthy. Uh, I said I can't wait for him to get back in lineup. He actually hasn't not picked up a point in a game so far this season. He's been outstanding. So the Boldy breakout is in full effect, currently six points in five games uh, to start the season, and he's averaging over two shots per game as well, which is always a little bit of an added bonus. Uh, last on the list here in terms of skaters is Matias Michelli, 7% owned in Arizona. He's on a nine-game point streak right now, 10 points in 12 games to start the season. The shot volume still leaves quite a bit to be desired, but it's it's certainly better than what we saw from him a season ago when he had just 61 shots in 64 games. This year, he's averaging 1.8 shots per game, uh, 21 shots in 12 games. Playing around 60 minutes a night, this is a, a second line in Arizona that doesn't get a lot of love. Like the fact that Nick Schmaltz is on the top line playing, you know, 23 minutes a night basically and dominating and still only uh, 36% owned. Michelli's going to float around the wire all season long, and he's certainly a guy that can help you. Uh, across the board, he's going to pick up power play points. He's uh, going to pick up assists. He's going to put, uh, you know, pick up some goals here and there pretty infrequently. But um, had a really, really good rookie season, and he's building on that so far this season. Anything to add on Michelli for either one of you? Uh, yeah, like him a lot. Um, I know you said the shot volume, you know, still leaves a bit to be desired. But to me, this kind of pushes him um, into that fantasy relevant kind of area, and someone who I think could just kind of replicate. Uh, the stat lines that we've seen from Robert Thomas in the past. And he, like you say, he didn't need a, a huge jump with him being, um, or looks to be such an elite playmaker, 38 assists in just 64 games last season, uh, eight assists in 12 games this year. So I think that was a 48 assist pace last year. He's on pace for 55 already this year. So again, pretty similar to what we've seen out of Robert Thomas the last few years. And this is a guy whose ice time could continue to grow. We could easily see him move up that lineup a little bit. They could juggle it, look for a little bit more of a balanced approach in their top six. 
um, and still doing this while I'll be in on the second power play unit as well. So I, I, I love the Coyotes this year. I, I think they took a big, big step forward. They're a really deep team, and I think they're a lot better than most people give them credit for. Uh, and I think Michelli, and to your point, that whole second line, Brock, is a big, big part of that. So, yeah, I think he's going to be an elite source of assists all season long, and if he can just keep it around two shots a game, that should be enough to put him somewhere on a 15- to 20-goal pace um, and honestly flirt with a point per game. So I, I think he's going to be uh, a real sneaky ad and a, a sneaky source of uh, assists and points moving forward. Bringing back Nick Bukestad was a pretty underrated move this offseason for the Coyotes. He was really good for them last year. They obviously got uh, something for him at the deadline. Bringing him back was nice because, yeah, that Lawson Kraus, Michelli, and uh, Nick Bukestad line has done really, really good things for uh, basically a full season and a month so far. So I uh, really like that second line. I think that they've got uh, something going forward here. Speaking of Arizona, let's talk about Connor Ingram really quick. 18% owned. I, I think, obviously, uh, Karel Vamelka can also be talked about. He's played pretty well. Much higher owned at 41%. But these two seemingly are splitting the crease right now. So uh, I, I'm pretty comfortable rostering Ingram and, and starting him most nights, especially when the Coyotes are on home ice. But uh, Ingram, 4-1 uh, and 0 in five games this year. 247 goals against average, 919 save percentage, and uh, plus 1.3 goals saved above expected, which makes him... 26th best goalie on the season so far. So he's played really, really well. Um, and it's not like this is just a small sample size dating back to basically the second half of last season. Uh, he's played really, really well between the pipes here for the Arizona Coyotes. I think he finished the year uh, with something like a nine, yeah, 921 save percentage in his final 18 games a season ago. Uh, and then this year, as I mentioned, 919 save percentage. So if this guy can continue to operate under you know around a 920 save percentage he's certainly somebody that needs to be talked about then just a couple other goalie shout outs really quickly mostly to do with injuries first Pieter Kachekov who was on our bus list to start the year shockingly he's all the way down to 28% owned because people refuse to roster an AHL goalie but uh now he's widely available in fantasy circles um his numbers so far in the NHL level not great but who gives a shit because Frederick Anderson is currently out um dealing with a blood clotting issue he's out and definitely he's undergoing further testing and, and, and all we wish um frederick anderson all the the best but it opens up the door for somebody like Kachekov. Uh, again just 28 percent owned while he's struggled at the nhl level so far this season his numbers at the ahl level suggest that he's still the goalie we thought he was uh last year he's three and zero with a 163 goals against average 932 save percentage and one shutout in the ahl so definitely somebody that's still uh, we think can be solid. And then Antti Ranta, I mean, if he's available in your league at 56% owned, he's also worth the addition right now. After a slow start to the season, Ranta has been much better. He's won three straight. So uh, yeah, like the Hurricanes are going to continue to be one of the better teams in the league this year. And uh, having some of their goalies, um, whether it be Ranta or whether it be Kachekov is great. It is worth mentioning that Yaroslav Halak is there. Um, so he's also somebody that you should be monitoring if he signs <laughs> with the hurricanes and they send Kachekov back to the ahl and they are going to roll with ranta and um halak i do think halak he was pretty solid still last year and i think he can definitely be solid on a very very good carolina team beebs you got something to add here um just in carolina's defense they currently lead the league in the least amount of shots on net right now at 25 and a half a game that bodes well when you're looking for wins obviously if we're looking at points leagues it's a little bit different so maybe take that with a grain of salt if you are playing check off you might only get about 25 shots on that but he should get you that dub and he and if he can you know if he can produce a 900 a 905 he's gonna have that position if he doesn't if he falters i think that's when we see halak come in but i don't think you really have to worry about that 
quite yet. Um, but that that's a, that's a pretty intriguing stat when your team is leading the league in shot um, shots on goal. That's that's quite good if you're a goalie. Yeah, certainly not a fluke either. That's been their recipe for the last few seasons. They just dominate the puck at 5e5. No one cycles the puck better than the Hurricanes, and they spend plenty of time in the offensive end. But yeah, goalie of the future for the Hurricanes, right? Like they committed a four-year contract to him last November. Um, and I think it's it's always telling when they call Kachekov up because they're not calling him up to, to sit him in the press box, right, or sit him on the bench even. At the very least, he's going to be rotating starts because he is waivers exempt. He's at the point where they want him to be getting games in his career. They don't want him just sitting around. Uh, and obviously, Brandt has really struggled to this point. So I think as long as he's up, you can expect him to be at rotating games at the very least. And if, you know, Halak um, is able to work his way in there and um, battle with the two of them for starts, if Kachekov's uh, kind of on, you know, on the outside looking in, you'll know it. He'll, he'll get sent down and it'll be an easy decision for you to drop him. So um, that's why I, I really like picking up Kachekov because, you know, as long as he's on the NHL roster, he's going to be getting some games. I actually just picked him up in our big money league as we were talking about him. Like, I haven't actually looked if he's available. Uh, unfortunately, league, though, was he available I, in our league, Brock? Uh, no, but unfortunately, I had to drop Jonathan Huberdo to make room for him. Oh, I have yeah. just, I have just moved on. It is time to move on. I believe uh, bench for the entire third period yesterday. Maybe that's the wake up call he needs. At this point, I doubt it. Uh, I, I just cannot, uh, I cannot deal with Jonathan Huberdo anymore. Uh, another pickup. Uh, between the pipes, last one here, Magnus Helberg, maybe uh, just 5% owned. He would be the new number one goalie in Pittsburgh. Alex Andelkovich still sidelined. Tristan Yari left their game yesterday after a collision with Adam Henrique. Magnus Helberg came good. in his second relief appearance of the season. So far, he stopped 26 of 28 shots. Uh, the Penguins are a really, really good hockey team. Whoever their starting goalie is, I want on my team. I am a Red Wings fan, and I saw quite a bit of Magnus Helberg a season ago. Not great, but mm. if he's going to play career percentage, so yeah, if, salt it. If, if you're going to like, it's really, really good numbers at the AHL level, really, really good numbers in Europe, just hasn't been able to figure it out in, in the NHL. But uh, yeah, 5%. If you're in deeper leagues, you, you're desperate for goaltending help, and Yari is going to miss some time, and Adelkovich is still sidelined, then Helberg, I think, is worth a pickup if you are desperate. All righty, let's move on to the sell high candidates. We have five sell highs and five buy lows. So let's get right into the sell highs. We'll start with the Vancouver Canucks and Brock Besser. Actually, JC Miller as well. We're going to talk about both of them. But let's start with Brock Besser. He's currently 86% owned, right wing eligible. So far this season, 10 goals, 5 assists, 15 points in 12 games. That's great. Good for him. 2.9 shots per game. Good. Problems are the following. 28.6 shooting percentage. He is a career 12.7% shooter. Also has a 16.9 on ice shooting percentage. The Vancouver Canucks have been probably the best story in the NHL in the early part of the season. Uh, regression does seem to be heading their way eventually. Like they're, they're just clicking too hot, right? There's, I think they have the most goals scored above expected in the NHL. I think they have the most goals scored below expected in the NHL. So Demko has been unbelievable. I, I imagine that Demko can probably continue to maintain a really good, really good numbers and have a great season. I do think the offense will probably fizzle out and cool down a little bit. So I want to try to cash in on Brock Besser and JT Miller. Those were the Brock Besser numbers. Here are the JT Miller numbers. He's still 98% owned. He, I believe you can get a lot more for at this point in time. He was at least a high draft capital player. Brock Besser, though, I think would be a, a, a great trade chip. JT Miller, 
18 points, 7 goals, 11 assists in 12 games, 27 shots on goal, good for 2.3 per game. He is shooting 25.9%, career 14.4% shooter, and then the on-ice shooting percentage is 17.4. So massive red flags for both of these players. Again, terrific starts. Very happy for both of them. I have JT Miller in one of my leagues, actually two of my leagues, and I, I would like to be moving him for somebody who is struggling. Maybe somebody we'll talk about a little bit later in the show in the buy lows. But uh, D, we'll start with you. What do you make of the Brock Besser, JT Miller situation here? Uh, I, yeah, I, obviously you nailed it on the head. This production can't continue at the pace that it is. I would like to say I would just be a little bit weary of trading both of them. Just starting with Besser, we really haven't seen this shot volume out of him. Um, since his first couple of years in the league when he was kind of really just taking the league by storm by a little bit and looked like he could be one of the next great goal scorers in the show. Obviously, he's taken a step back in recent years. Uh, a lot of that could probably be contributed to, you know, some of the linemates he's been dealt with. Um, hasn't spent as much time playing with Pedersen over the last few seasons. But, of course, that that came as his, uh, as his shot totals and his uh, shot conversion rate dipped off as well. So it wasn't without reason. But, yeah, I mean, he's still just 26 years old. Um, obviously that team is clicking in general. So I, I do think he can still be um, an elite source of goals for the rest of the season. Um, you know, we have seen him shoot as high as 16% multiple times over full season in the past. So just be weary. I'm not trying to get like anything for him, but yeah, if I can get a legitimate um, top 25, top 30 skater for him, or even a top 50 skater that it's probably just going to, you know, shore up your investment a little bit, be a little bit more reliable down the stretch than Besser. Obviously that usage could um, drop off again if he is to struggle a little bit um, and if the regression is to hit him a little bit harder than we're expecting. But yeah, still, I think a lot of talent there uh, and still, I, I think it due for uh, a, a bit of a breakout season. Obviously, he's off to an amazing start, but in terms of his production, uh, the rest of the way out, I, I do still expect it to be above what he's shown us in the last few seasons. Uh, and then JT Miller too, like he just put up 99 points in 80 games two seasons ago. So is he going to continue putting up, you know, a point and a half a game? No, but can he operate comfortably above a point per game? Yeah. Like his on ice shooting percentage that year finished around 13%, which is not out of this world. So I think that 70%, it's going to come back a little bit, but especially in banger league, especially in points leagues, like JT Miller just fills up your categories for you. And I, I do think like, I mean, two seasons ago, he was legitimately uh, a top 10 player in those formats. So you just got to know your format, know your league. I think in more standard leagues where you're just talking raw production, uh, then Miller's probably a little bit more juicy of a sell high for me. But in points leagues or in leagues that factor in uh, hits and, sh and shots and everything else, uh, like I said, he just fills up all the categories for you. So um, yeah, you just got to be careful, know your league, know your format. We preach that all the time, uh, but certainly uh, can be sell highs in, in the right format for sure. I think the one thing that's most concerning for me, not most concerning because I do expect their power play to be really good throughout the season, but a lot of their production has come on the power play Two or sorry, four of um, the seven goals for JT Miller on the power play, four of his 11 assists on the power play, five power play goals for Brock Besser already. He's not like get six all of last season. So if that power play cools down a little bit, like, yeah, like I'm not moving these guys you know, for their preseason value. This is sell high. Let's try to see if we can cash in on this investment that people don't understand. Do I think that they can be very good moving forward? Absolutely. But you can cash in and, and maybe really pick up, uh, you know, somebody that's a little bit more reliable, somebody that's going to uh, be better for the remainder of this season based on what Miller and Besser have offered this season. So I guess we always need to remind people, we always just talk about buy low and sell highs. We're not telling you to trade these people just to trade these players. Like you got to be moving them for the right price, but sell high is the whole key. That is um, the whole point of fantasy. You got to try to, to cash in 
while the iron is hot. Anything to add on uh, Besser or Miller, Beavs? No, I think you fellas nailed it. Um, for Miller, it's he's currently number the number fourth ranked player in one of our leagues. Um, we were talking about it before the show. And for people who look at those strict rankings when they're when they're making trades, you can you could kind of pull this rug out from under their feet. I think you can convince them that yeah, this this Vancouver thing's happening. It's it's, it's going chugga chugga. Um, but realistically, uh, you know, this is what we're here for. We're here to tell you grab those those superstars because we're at that point, especially with Miller, where you, you're trading for a superstar at that point because he is a superstar himself. But um, league dependent, like D said, in banger leagues, he has a little bit more value, so it's hard to say. Um, actually, the league where he's super high up in ours has a little bit of a bonus for shorthanded goals, so that's why he's there, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, if he's if he's in the top twenty in anyone's rankings, they're gonna look at those rankings. And they're going to a lot of people basically treat those rankings like 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 gold. That's that's what they go by. That's their research. They look at that number. So abuse that. And uh, and yeah, make some I, I, I like dealing dealing these guys, as you say, while the iron's hot. Yeah, I own JT Miller in that league with you guys, and I believe he's the number four ranked player overall yep. in that format. So there's a you can probably move him for a King's Ransom right now. Next on the list is Jesper Bratt, 97% owned, left wing, right wing eligible for the New Jersey Devils, currently sitting at 19 points through 12 games, 26 shots on goal, good for 2.2 per game, 26.9% shooting percentage. He is a 12% career shooter, and the on-ice shooting percentage is 16.2%. So... Yeah, again, it's it, this is all we're really gonna say is these are just unsustainable rates for all of these guys. It's the theme of this this show all the time, and I think Jesper Brad is a phenomenal player. Is he going to continue to operate at a point and a half per game through the remainder of the season and finish with 140 points? It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, Jack Hughes being sidelined right now doesn't help his case either. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to move on from Brat. I, I think that he was a pretty solid draft day value. We talked about him into Foley in the preseason. We both really like, are we all really like where both of them were being drafted. And, uh, yeah, I, I think if you can cash in on what was like a sixth or seventh round pick and, and acquire maybe a top three round talent that has struggled out of the gates a little bit, like an Alex Ovechkin or somebody like that. Uh, some of the buy lows we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Then yes, for Brat is, should certainly be on the move right now. Uh, Beebs, we'll start with you on Jesper Brat here, the Brat Pack. What do you think about Jesper? One, love the Brat Pack. Two, I'm I'm moving Jesper. Um, like you said, it's just he's uh he's one of those classic guys who's just gotten cooked started cooking out of the gate and he and he's absolutely creating. But while he's doing that, he's he's averaging 1921 on ice. That's two minutes more than we've seen in previous seasons. And I think part of that might just be strictly due to the injuries going around. There was kind of, I guess we'll call it an injury bug. It is what it is going around uh, the devils. And um, I could see that number going down a bit. And if it does could really hurt his production. I think a lot of people right now too, will look at his previous seasons. They're going, Ooh, 73, 73, two straight. This guy's a lock immediately 73 at this rate. And he probably is, but you want them to see that and go, he's taking that next step. He's a hundred point guy. So if you could trade him for someone who's a lock for 100 points, then that's absolutely perfect. And I think that's kind of what you're looking for here. One thing that does bode well for him, he obviously plays left wing, right wing um, in your in your Yahoo league. So it's uh, he fits in at all times. But the 26 shots in 12 games played, I think if you can trade him for a guy who's getting, what do you say, two and a half shots, three shots a game, you're definitely just going to have a higher chance at production, going to get more goals. The guy's not going to shoot at 26.9 all season. That's absolutely bonkers. Um, so yeah, so, so, so get someone nice, like get a top 50 player for this guy. You can absolutely convince people that, that, you know, he's the next big thing for the devils. 
but realistically, um, we all know that the points go to Hughes, the points go um, all around. And uh, one thing that does scare me here too is the same concern we had at the beginning of the year. If he struggles early or in, in say upcoming weeks, he goes five, six games without a point, nothing stopping that team with their depth from just, you know, taking them off PP one and that could really hurt him. So if you get someone who's locked on, on the power play one, someone who's going to shoot three times a game, I, I'm all here for it. And I think he holds that value right now. So you could make that trade. Yeah, I think now, well, hopefully you acted even before or once the injury yeah. news hit because, you know, just what or I guess, Oh, I'm looking at the Foley now. Yeah, just one point in his last three games for Brat. Um, and the shot volume obviously uh has been a bit of a concern this year. It, you know, I, I think Brock talked about it a few times, uh, but he's another one of those guys where it's just a little bit disproportionate in terms of his shot attempts versus shots on goal. So I would expect it to creep up a little bit higher to where he was at uh last season, but he is playing with Hughes and Toffoli now, two guys who just love to fire the puck on net. Um, and, and obviously that's when Hughes is healthy. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, and he even moved up with Heischer before that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I think this is one of the more obvious regression candidates, especially especially in the short term uh, with Hughes and Heischer sidelined uh, and someone that I'd be looking to move sooner than later because this one to me feels like it's kind of harder to, you know, like I said, with, with Besser and, um, and Miller, I was a little bit more weary of moving them. Brat, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to return to around that point per game pace sooner than later. And again, especially with Hughes and Heischer sidelines. So I'm looking to move Brat uh, as quickly as I can. And I, I think you still can get a, a second or third round talent for him pretty easily given the start that he's had. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the standard league Yahoo format here. Brat, you know, even after one point in his last three games, currently ranked as the ninth rated player in that standard format. So definitely somebody that if, if people are just looking at that, you know, more of a novice league and they're like, wow, he's been unbelievable. One of the best players in the league right now, then it should be, you know, pretty easy to sell high on Jesper Brat. Moving on, Chris Kreider. We just talked about how you can get the Walmart version of Chris Kreider in Nick Paul and Kreider, 93% owned left wing eligible for the New York Rangers, 12 goals or sorry, 12 points in 12 games. Nine of those are goals, three assists, classic. Chris Kreider stuff going on right now. And I believe I'm not a hundred percent. You guys can fact check me here, but I believe he leads the NHL in power play goals at the moment, which again, just classic Chris Kreider he stuff. Does. Yes. Okay. Thank you for backing me up. Uh, 2.8 shots per game is solid, but the 27.3 shooting percentage, he's a career 15% shooter and the 15% on a shooting percentage. This is exactly where we were like a few years ago when he scored uh, 40 tucks, 50 tucks, actually 52 tucks in 2022. 36 tucks a season ago. I, I I think he's a lot more similar to that player that had 50, 36 tucks than he is the guy who had 52. Um, the craziest thing over the last two seasons, just like a fraction over 40 assists. He just is not going to help you there. He's kind of a one-trick pony. Helps a lot more in banger leagues. Um, his hits have actually been down this year, though. But yeah, just, I mean, whenever Chris Carter's doing this, I'm happy to move him. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's just, it's the cautionary tale from a couple of years ago, right? Like he, he did eventually trail off a little bit in terms of his goal production, but he still finished with over a 20% shooting percentage that year. So yeah, he's a guy that is going to fire the puck in volume and has been known to just go on month, two month long heaters. So um, I, I, the reason that I would just be a little bit cautious with moving him it, again, it just depends. I would say in how experienced of a league you are. Cause uh, I would say more, um, you know, big money leagues or, uh, if, if, you know, your league is a little bit more serious, everyone's a little bit more attentive and, you know, you've been playing for years on end. I do think there's a bit of a stigma with Kreider already that people realize that uh, to your point, Brock, he is a bit of a one trick pony. He's not going to offer you a whole else uh, besides goals, but 
goals, as we know, across all formats are generally the most valuable stat in hockey and the most or the hardest to find. So um, again, a little bit cautious here. I just, cause I don't know if you're really going to be able to get that King's ransom for him, despite this incredibly hot start, because there's a bit of a stigma of, you know, that that's really all he brings to the table. So if you can get someone who's a little bit more well-rounded and is still going to, you know, uh, ought the ought a goal every other game or so, then yeah, I'm on board. But again, not a guy that I'm just looking to move for whatever, because he could potentially just have 50 goals by the end of the year. It would not surprise me. Yeah. He uh, is currently ranked 24th in standard league formats. And it's not even just like a week, month, two month long heater. It is worth mentioning that in the three years previous to this, he had he had an eighteen point three shooting percentage over a three year span. If you factor in the start so far this year, twelve games, eighteen point eight percent. So hovering around nineteen percent since 2020, 2021. Definitely a guy that can continue at a pretty impressive clip. Again, twenty seven percent is a little high, but yeah, just a bit of a one trick pony leads the NHL in power play goals, much like he did in 2022 when he had 26. Absolutely Ooh. insane. I, I guess the one issue I have is the Rangers still are fighting the issue of being a pretty poor offensive team at 5v5. That's been a bit of a bugaboo for them for the last couple seasons. They've been Fox pretty bad in, in, in that area right now, uh, so far this season as well. So he has to rely so heavily on that power play to, to produce. Obviously, he has done it in the past. Uh, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm always pretty happy to move on from Chris Kreider. And if he scores 50 goals again, by all means, uh, I'm fine with it. Um, next on the list, Anze Kopitar, 83% owned center eligible for the LA Kings. Great start for the veteran center, 11 points in 11 games, six goals, five assists, 24 shots on goals. So just over two shots per game, shooting 25% at the moment, 12.7 uh, career shooter, and then 14.5 on ice shooting percentage. It's been really good. I absolutely love the LA Kings this year. I talked about it a ton in the preseason, how Cam Talbot was my favorite goalie to target because this team is going to be very, very good at 5v5, very, very good just in all facets of the game. And so far, so good there. But uh, Kopitar is quite old at this point, and this is a team that really, really um, balances out their minutes. You know, all four lines play pretty evenly. We've seen that kind of in Kopitar's minutes, still over 20 minutes, but like it's come down a little bit, right? He's not playing 22 minutes like he did, you know, few years ago and i just don't think that he can continue to operate at a, at a point per game pace we haven't really seen it since like 2018 pretty good year a season ago with 74 points but to me i would be happy to move him for somebody a little bit younger maybe a little bit more uh offensive punch in their game on a team that just maybe is a little bit more concentrated up front um in terms of the offensive numbers as opposed to a team that's going to roll all four lines every single night so kopitar it's a really good story so far uh the one thing that i just want to mention before i go to you here Beebs, is that um hockey reference i don't know if i've never noticed it before but hockey reference seems to have recently added uh player nicknames to Ooh. their website and uh, i did I not know that kopitar goes by flopitar <laughs> unbelievable that's incredible that's like a top three nickname in the league so good. um currently doesn't really have the flow to go with the flopitar um but that's probably because he's also 36 years old so we'll uh we'll give him that um but but if we're going to talk about sample sizes how's 18 years for a sample size um we've never seen him pass over 35 goals so that's why you know this pace that he's currently on for about 50 goals um i i don't think is sustainable because like I said, he's never done it before across 18 seasons. So um, a lot of people would have got this guy late in drafts. They would have got him maybe even off free agencies if you're in a smaller league. So I think if you can trade him for someone who 
um, people drafted someone who has, you know, that point per game potential. Um, not to say that Kopitar doesn't, but Kopitar is going to have to fight for that point per game, like you said, Brock. And I want someone who's not fighting for that point per game. I want someone who's locking in that point per game. And uh, at, at him shooting 25%, you know that these goals are going to go down. When the goals go down, the assists, uh, the assists will still be there, but it's just going to not equal um, 82 and 82. And uh, if, if it goes, you know, 70 points in 82, and you could have traded him for a guy who gets 90 points, then you're looking at a 20 point swing there, something that can easily affect weeks um so yeah let people believe you know maybe 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 the guys turned the page in his 18th season age 36 he's now a goal scorer um but yeah no i'd be throwing this guy uh out there and uh worst case nobody bites your lure and you probably got him for nothing so it's uh it's okay and 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 la is a team where they're gonna sustain this i think you know what they're doing also, like Brock said, it's very nice. Things are going right there. So, um, worst case, 70 points. You got him off the wire. Woo. But um, I don't know if D's got anything to add about the Flopitar. Yeah, just that, like, this was a guy that I kind of had pegged for a bit of a regression season coming into the year. Um, shot volume has been dropping off the last two years, and that hasn't changed. Still right around just two shots a game this year. Uh, but he shot 16.6% last year. He's a career 12.8 shooter, and in recent years, it's been a lot lower than that. So I was expecting that to fall back down to earth. Obviously, the exact opposite has happened at this point. But um, yeah, he's just never been an elite finisher in his career. And that's really what's holding him back to uh, top in 35 goals. Like Beavis said, having that having, that haven't been his career high to this point. He's been a volume shooter when he has had good scoring seasons in the past. And like I said, he's just not a volume shooter anymore. So I do think he's going to kind of end up closer to that Robert Thomas, Matias Michelli build uh, by the end of the season. So if you can get someone who's a little bit more balanced in the production, can offer you some more goals and uh, still flirt around 70 points, uh, then, yeah, I'm definitely looking to move Kopitar right now. And some of the names we'll talk about in a bit here in the buy low section, you could probably try to get uh, a couple of them in, in, in a package for Kopitar with the, with the hot start he's had and, and some of the slow starts out there. So definitely someone that I'm looking to flip. I think there's yeah, a lot it, of leagues you could probably – Flip Kopitar and then go grab Robert Thomas or go grab M- Michelli, like you said. And then, like like we've kind of mentioned, you have a Walmart. You're not even a Walmart. You have like a Target version of Anze Kopitar. That's not too bad. I think that there's even more red flags with his shot volume in the fact that he only has 35 shot attempts. Uh, for his career, he's got about 58% of his shot attempts on net. So far this season, 71% of those shot attempts have hit the target. So, I think that there's room for this shot, uh, shot volume to decrease even further moving forward. So uh, definitely some red flags there. All right, let's get to some buy lows, a little bit more fun. We're going to rip through these a little bit quicker because we have talked about these guys a little bit already, but we just want to reinforce some of these picks. The first being Matty Berniers. We talked about him the other day, uh, I think last week, saying that he's definitely a candidate, uh, buy low candidate in keeper in dynasty leagues i think we can take it a little bit further i do think that he has uh, a big season ahead of him i think that things just haven't really gone his way thus far still searching for his first goal he picked up two helpers last night though to give him six assists in 13 games 23 shot uh shots on goal just 1.8 per game definitely need to see that increase a little bit but uh 16.3 shooter for his career shooting just zero percent so far this year so that's obviously going to uh, increase and then the on ice shooting percentage of 7.1% is definitely something you'd expect to bounce back a little bit. So, super, super talented 57 points in 80 games a season ago, you know, playing 18 minutes and 40 seconds per game this season, which is a massive jump about a minute and 40 seconds more than a season 
uh, ago. So yeah, I, I really do think that there are probably better days ahead for Maddie Beniers. Um, again, just 44% owned to you. You know, he's available in 56% of leagues at the moment. Um, but if he isn't, and you're maybe in a deeper league, I do think that you can get him for next to nothing at the moment. And I think that he's a guy probably, uh, better days ahead. D, um, quickly, anything to add on Beniers? No, like him a lot. Uh, again, especially in, in Dynasty Keeper. I know we already said that last week. But yeah, even in redraft, he's probably getting dropped in a lot of redraft leagues as well. Uh, and I think he's someone worth stashing. It's already turned the corner a little bit. The, the one thing that I was really interested in seeing out of Beniers this year, especially out of the gate, is how does the shot volume look? Um, you know, on the on the season, it looks pretty similar to where he was last year, a little bit under two shots a game. But uh, over his last eight games after that kind of slow start, he is up at two shots a game right now, which is not a, a huge step forward and obviously not elite in terms of shot volume, but this is a guy that, um, you know, is billed as more of a playmaker, a, a pass first guy. So he can just continue. And again, talking more of a dynasty keeper perspective. Now, if he can just continue to build on that year over year, maybe get up around two and a half, three shots a game within the next few years, then you could potentially uh, easily have a guy that's got a, you know, 75, 80 point floor before too long. And uh, obviously in Seattle, the minutes are just going to be there for him all season long. He's going to have plenty of, uh, opportunity to get right uh, and maybe just needs a little bit of exposure to Jaden Schwartz who is absolutely on fire to start the season so um, yeah I, I think as they do a little bit more shuffling uh, and maybe free him from the dead weight that is Jordan Eberle no offense Mr. Eberle uh, I super appreciate everything you've done for Canada hockey over the years but uh, yeah I, I just think that there's obviously a lot of upside here we saw it last season I'm not going to overreact when it's really been the team as a whole that's been struggling to put the puck in the back of the net so he's someone I am uh, more than willing to wait around on. And the underlying numbers are, are getting better game in and game out. So a lot of encouraging signs from Veneers uh, and definitely someone to go after and potentially just make room for on your roster if he's available on free agents and redraft leagues. We talked about you know playing 1840 per game so far this season. If you just take a look at his last eight games, it's even better than that. 19 minutes and 14 seconds per game. So an extra shift or two in there as well. If he can get anywhere close to 19 minutes a night, I think he can take off. Uh, this season he had a beautiful setup to Jaden Schwartz last night hopefully some some of that stuff can continue quickly Beebs anything on Beneers no I just I don't see Alex Wenberg taking that top top line spot from him or that top power play spot so that that bodes well for um for you know a young stud like Beneers um no I definitely I would be targeting this guy big time with a waiver wire pickup across the first two weeks he's doing hot just chuck him over totally worth it Trevor Zegers is next just one goal, one assist, two points, um, 30 shots on goal. Good for two and a half per game, which is impressive uh, for Zegers. Not really something we've seen from him before. The shooting percentage, just 3.3%, a career 11.7% shooter coming into this season. And then the on-ice shooting percentage, just 5.9%. So, uh, yeah, you got to really like what you know, you've know seen kind of on an underlying perspective from Zegers. The bounces just haven't necessarily gone his way this far. Uh, this team, we've talked about them quite a bit already. I, this looks like a team that's going to be pretty feisty throughout the season. I do think that they might be a little bit fraudulent from what we've seen so far, like that six-game winning streak. The metrics suggest that maybe they are still not quite, you know, there yet. But they, they are going to be feisty. Not. They have some. They have some uh, really good young pieces and. You know, the first month of the season certainly isn't indicative of what's going to carry on throughout the rest of the season. And they can certainly improve as the year goes on, given all of their young pieces. And we've seen uh, a lot of good things from players like Zegris and Terry, who are already there, mainstays. And then you've got Pavel Mintnikov and Leo Carlson, who are just going to keep getting better as the season progresses as well. So I do like the Ducks moving forward. I do like Zegris 
uh, as a buy low candidate right now, just 50% owned on pace though, for over 200 shots, which would be the first time he cracks uh, that mark in his career. D you were flashing your hat in the camera hard. You got the mighty ducks lid on. Tell us a little bit more about Trevor Zegers and why you I, like buying low on him right now. I'm encouraged. Like, you know, his main concern over the last few years in, in, in terms of whether or not he could take that step forward into being, um, you know, a borderline elite fantasy hockey player uh, and, and really threaten a point per game. It's been the shot volume. Um, that's kind of been holding him back. I would say he just kind of plateaued the last couple of years, 181 shots, two years ago, 184 shots last year. So to see that take a step forward, we know he's an elite playmaker. Like he's averaged uh, over 40 assists over the last two seasons per 82 games and still just 22 years old. So uh, I have no doubt at all that the assists are going to come. Uh, and the fact that he's shooting as much as he is, is really encouraging as well. So yeah, someone that you probably can get for next to nothing. If he is still on the roster and redraft leagues, uh, keeper leagues again another fantastic target because uh, it's a team that you know might not be as good as they um, as they look this year, but certainly improving on a year to year basis, and they're only going to continue to get better. Um, you know, Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, he's got two fantastic pivots to just party alongside uh, for the foreseeable future. So that that core, that top six, is just going to continue to grow together. Um, it's unfortunate that he's gotten off to as slow of a start as he has, but. Uh, I, I really do think that better days are ahead for Zegers and it's going to happen sooner than later. Another thing that kind of makes a, makes him a nice little buy low here too, is he's strictly center right now, but he's just a couple games away from getting that left wing eligibility too. And if you can jump on that before other managers kind of realize that that's happening, gets you a nice other option. And I, and I think that's kind of why his percentage is dropping so much because we've talked about it before centers incredibly strong, but you know, what isn't is the wings. So that should help him out getting that as well. Alex Kalorn just came back for Anaheim. That should also help improve their power play. And when their power play gets a little bit better, that should help Trevor Zegers. So yeah, I, I love this target fellas. I'm actually, as we were talking there, I was, I was looking at trades in one of our leagues um, because yeah, I, th I think a lot of people are going to, it's kind of crazy that there, I don't know if there's a player who's had a bigger downfall in fantasy hockey than Trevor Zegras um, over the last maybe year and a bit. Cause there's people coming into the draft that had him top 100 in some leagues in redraft leagues. Um, so it's, uh, you know, if you can get someone who's just completely disgusted with this guy, then jump in there and uh, get it before he gets his dual position eligibility. But um, no, Trevor Zegras is a great person to look at. Really quickly, D would you rather have if like, if you had to target one of these two Zegras or Beniers, who would you go with? Zegris, I think there's just more surrounding talent for him to mm -hmm. work with this season um, and, and it, within the next two to three years, too. So both formats, redraft, dynasty keeper, I, I would lean Zegris over Beniers. Beebs, you agree? Yeah, they, I agree. They both, I mean, Zegris had a 65-point year. Beniers had a little bit um, less last season. So you're kind of, uh, I mean, even, even even just off of recent production, you got to go Zegris, who's, you know, a little bit, little bit more of a veteran and clearly just – is on a little bit of a cold streak out of the gate here, but doing all the right things. Yeah, I think they just have a little bit more goal scoring upside throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The Kraken, certainly not a team that are going to score a ton of goals this year. Where I do think the Ducks could be a little bit more potent offensively. So I agree. I would lean Zegers as well. The next one is kind of in a similar boat as well. Matt Barzell, center right wing eligible, 62% owned. In 11 games so far this season, he does have eight points, two goals, six assists, which is pretty impressive given how bad the rates have been for him. 41 shots on goal, 3.7 per game. Like, where did this come from, Matt Barzell? Like, you'd think the move to the wing and playing with uh, Bo Horvat would turn him into even more of a facilitator and let Bo do the shooting. But Barzell, out of nowhere, is like, hey, look at me. Look what I can do. I can, like, he's almost matched his uh, shot production from a season ago. 41 shots in 11 games. He had 139 last year. He's, like, on pace to 
nearly double his shot volume from a season ago. So really, really good stuff. We talked about this, um, I think, in the preseason, like with David Patronek. Like, you don't just double your shot volume. Like, you just that just doesn't happen. Um, and Barzell so far has. So I don't know if anyone's really taken uh, account of that there. But, yeah, 4.9 shooting percentage. He's an 11% uh, career shooter, 7.8 on ice shooting percentage, uh, both lacking immensely at the moment. So if you take a look at his 41 shots on goal, and his 11% shooting percentage, he should have four or five goals so far this season. Um, if he did, he'd be at 10 points, 11 points. He'd be at a point-per-game player. Uh, so the shot volume should certainly, or shooting percentage, excuse me, should certainly regress um, you know, back towards the mean. And then the on shooting percentage of 7.8 should definitely bounce back as well. If Bo Horvat doesn't sound like he's going to miss too much time, getting him back will be a huge addition as well. So but, uh, Matt Barzell, certainly somebody I'm interested in. i probably lean Barzell over Zegers and Berniers. Uh, D, what do you think about this trio and what do you think about Barzell specifically? I think redrafts for sure. Um, incredibly encouraging. Like you said, super, super impressive. The fact that he is anywhere close to a point per game right now, given the puck luck that he's dealt with. Uh, but yeah, that shot volume, uh, incredibly encouraging. I will say like the fact that he's only shooting 4.9% so far, it's not a massive shock. He's never, ever been an elite finisher. Um, his highest career, or season, single season shooting percentage is 12.9%. And that was back in his rookie season, 10.8 career um, percentage as a shooter. So uh, he really is going to need that uh, that volume to kind of push his, his goal scoring into the next level. Um, but, it, you know, it's not going to take that much thanks to the assists, right, in, in terms of um, him kind of maybe falling back into that elite fantasy talent that he was in his rookie season and, and kind of um, has failed to live up to since, since Tavares um, has left. And, you know, probably an indictment on the quality of linemates that he's had. So the fact that he – um, that he's playing with Bo Horvat this year, I think is really encouraging. Um, we said it last year, like it, it, it's a little bit out of nowhere, but at the same time, the shot volume jump did take place last year when they moved him to the wing um, and, and Horvat was there. It wasn't a whole lot of games because Barzell got hurt uh, shortly after Horvat's arrival. But I do remember just going after him like crazy in DFS when they made that move last year, because they were both just firing the puck a ton. So yeah, I think this is going to be enough to kind of get him up around 30 goals. We know the assists are going to be elite. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, you can get someone who's pretty disappointed with just the two goals through 11 games and maybe not realizing how big of a step forward he's taken over the last year and a half. So, uh, yeah, someone that's fantastic to target in redraft leagues. I would say I might be a little bit higher, uh, on Zegris in, in keeper to dynasty, just cause I think like that next two to three window in Anaheim or two to three year window in Anaheim, I think is going to be really, really sweet. And again, I just think Zegris is going to have a better surrounding cast to help him, uh, prop up, prop up his numbers than what Barzal is dealing with on long Island. So. Um, but yeah, in redraft leagues, I, I like Barzell more this year, um, just because of what he's flashed to this point and the fact that, you know, at least in this year with what he has to play with, probably pretty comparable, uh, to what Zegris is working with. So, um, dynasty keeper, Eileen Zegris, but in redrafts, I would definitely go Barzell. Um, someone that I, I'm really trying to get after in a couple of leagues right now, haven't been successful yet. Um, but I, I'm going to keep pushing because I, I do think that there's uh, a lot more goals and points on the way for Matt Barzell. Yeah, even if you look at his shot volume right now over an 82-game season on pace for 303 shots, would absolutely obliterate his previous career high of 179. Even if he shoots 8.5%, that would give him a 25-goal season, which, again, would beat his previous career high of 22. Uh, and, and it's worth mentioning, like, since Bo Horvat arrived, that line's been absolutely outstanding together. 3.37 uh, expected goals, 4 per 60, 36 scoring chances for, 18 high-danger chances, 4 per 60. And they really haven't even kind of started to do what 
they should be doing. The expected goals are 3.4 right now. Their goals for just 2.3. So they've been a little bit snake bitten. Uh, the shooting percentage is just 6.3% for them so far. So just kind of scratching the surface, I think, of what this duo can accomplish this season. Um, so yeah, a lot of good things uh, going for uh, Barzell and Bo Horvat right now. So love Bo Horvat, and I 100% agree with you, D. I would be going after him first in redraft. Uh, probably zeros in uh, dynasty keeper formats. Moving on, a guy we've talked about a little bit already so far this season. We'll go to you here, Biebs, uh, with Johnny Gaudreau. Five points in 12 games, 36 shots on goal, 3.0 shots per game. Uh, the shooting percentage, just 2.8%. The, uh, the on-ice shooting percentage, just 7.3%. He's a career uh, at 12.5% shooter. So definitely a guy you'd expect to score a little bit more goals. The shot volume has been super encouraging. Plus, there's the added potential that he gets traded back to Calgary. That's all the rumors in Calgary at the moment. Everybody wants to bring him back and just say, screw it. Let's go Gaudreau for uh, Huberto and see what happens. Because, um, I mean, obviously the Blue Jackets, I don't think, accept that trade at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Huberto has looked really, really encouraging. Or sorry, uh, Gaudreau's looked really, really encouraging. It hasn't been the best production. I think you can get him from next to nothing. When we talked about him a few weeks ago, we said, that even in like a down year last year, he had 70 points, 74 points in 80 games. Like that's basically his floor at the moment. Yeah, no, this is a guy who's put up a hundred points in his career in a season. You don't, you just, you don't see that certain guys, like people just don't have that potential um, at 74%. He is steadily dropping daily. We're seeing one or 2% drop off that. As you mentioned, 36 goals, three a game is the stuff we kind of love. And as a career 12 and a half percent shooter, it's going to get better. We're, we're we're seeing a terrible power play right now. They're 25th in the league, so that's seventh worst, and they're only converting at a 14.6% clip. A lot of that could have or could have a lot to do with Patrick Line when he comes back. He's fully healthy. That should help things roll. We kind of mentioned that last week, but I, I mean, when you put in another another elite goal scorer out there with a true true just point getter I'll, I'll i'll give it i'll give goudreau that he's a, he's an apple machine so when you put him out there with with the true goal scorer it's gonna click it's gonna get better um the on a shooting percentage cannot stay that low it's just not johnny goudreau even on the worst of teams but it is fun to uh when he does struggle to see these these hilarious trades like you said brock it's like all the binnington to oilers deals we've seen all day so it's uh you know it's uh it keeps things interesting for us, but no, I don't think Johnny Goudreau's going anywhere. And the one thing that's great for him, he's going to be locked in on that power play one. He's not going to get sat in the third, fourth, sorry, third period. Um, he is their guy. They, they, they he actually did get money. benched for a little bit there, which was he, hilarious. He got yeah. benched the other night, but I don't think that's going to be something that continues. Yeah. Um, all right. Our guy D is confirming goalies for us right now at DFO. So me and Peebs will continue to roll through the last couple of buy low candidates. They're very obvious targets at the moment and guys that would still be very difficult to pull away from their owners based on the name value that they carry alone. But Alex Ovechkin, 99% owned, just two goals. He has eight points in 10 games. Not terrible. I don't believe he has anything to speak of this evening. He does not yet. Uh, so yeah, just two goals. If he finishes with no goals tonight, it'd be two goals through 11 games coming into tonight. He was shooting 4.7%, which is just obviously not very Alex Ovechkin. Like shockingly has zero shots on goal this evening, which is bonkers. Uh, but yeah, like I don't think it's crazy to say, I don't think that, Ovechkin is going to shoot under 5% for the rest of the season. This is one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. His shooting percentage is going to, you know, tick back up. This Capitals team isn't terrible. They're good enough to, for him to be solid. He's shooting the puck a shitload, 43 shots, 4.3 per game uh, coming into Wednesday's slate. So 
Uh, yeah, if, if he's just firing that many biscuits on the net, he's going to start shooting the 12, 13, 14% we've yeah. seen from him throughout his career, and the goals are going to come in waves. Yeah, if this happens like if this happens on game 20 and he had a hot first 20 games, we're not even mentioning that Ovechkin's only scored two in 10 no, years. No, that's we're a great point. At the shot numbers and we're going, oh, everything's here, you know, everything's. So it, I think this this one's just a huge, um, a huge just when it happened. And I think you can use that to your advantage. It's kind of like all of these guys realistically. Um, so, you know, what? let people believe maybe Ovechkin's kind of lost it because it, it's funny because I don't know about you, Brock, uh, but just working in the industry i've heard it so many people like will come up and like their water cooler talk is like oh like Ovi's lost today or like edmonton sucks there's nothing in between and i laugh every time I'm like one i mean the guy's shooting almost four shots game he has not lost it um and we're talking about someone who has 46 goals averaged in the last two years so i uh with the cold comes the hot so get in before that hot streak starts because every single piece of this is pointing to that that going to happen and we know how Ovi works Obi scores in bunches. Um, sometimes he just doesn't get cold and then it turns into like 60 goal seasons. But um, yeah, 46 average in the last two age is just a number. This man is shooting the lights out and the, uh, you know, the numbers are going to come back, come back to averages. We've seen it happen his whole career. D anything to add on a veteran really quick, or should we move on? Uh, no, I mean, it was a little bit concerning. Um, the first couple of games, what did he have? Like his, it was the first time ever he went back to back games without registering without a, shot. a shot. So yeah. yeah, just, just to see that uh, correct itself, you know, encouraging he's not the, you know, shot volume monster that he was at, at the peak of his career, obviously. But uh, I think you guys have pointed out that's kind of been trending down anyways, uh, much more closer in line with where he was at last season, uh, almost dead in line actually. So yeah, uh, you got to expect that 4.7 to turn around. Uh, it, he's only shot. I, I'm, I'm sorry if you guys have pointed this out already, but he's only shot, uh, below 12 or 10 percent once in his career uh and that was way back in 2010 11 season and he still managed to pot 32 goals that year and finish comfortably above a point per game so um, that was a fresh yeah. fact dude you're good yeah yeah that surrounding surrounding cast is not as strong as it, it's, it's used to be or has it as it has been in recent years but i do think he can at the very least get back to his production levels last year uh with a healthy john carlson on the back end yeah, like even if he shoots what he's doing right now, like his 4.3 shots per game over the remaining, uh, what do they got, 71 games. He's a guy that, you know, if he gets back to that 12.5, 12.9% shooter that he's been throughout his career, it's still good for another 37, 38 goals this season. So still a guy that I expect to get 40? to 40. Yeah, like I, that's what I, I think he's still yeah, going to get to 40. It, it's not like it's not, it's certainly not going to be difficult for him if he continues to shoot 4.3 times per game and, and he shoots 12% like he has throughout his entire career. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question. And right now, certainly a buy low. Okay, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but we have to at least entertain the thought that this is as good of a time as you'll ever find to try to acquire Connor McDavid in fantasy hockey. It does not hurt to throw out offers for Connor McDavid. I think the caveat here is I don't think he's healthy. Um, he does not look right. I, I saw I saw a I saw a tweet the other day that somebody was tracking micro stats and heading into the game against the Canucks. He had not taken a single shot on the rush all season, which is like that's McDavid's bread and butter, right? Like that's where he's at his most dangerous. He starts getting What's those wheels doing? turning and he's burning defenders and he's and he's dominant off the rush. It was funny because I saw that tweet. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't believe it. First shift comes in on the rush, gets a shot. I'm like, is he back? He ended up finishing the game with no points. 
I think he eliminated like 40% of the daily face-off survivor yep. pool uh, Myself players included. that night. Yeah, D, or uh, Beebs included. But I don't think he's 100% healthy. So it, it sounds crazy, but I would be a little bit cautious with like the offers that you're throwing out. You don't want to completely sewer your whole season on a guy that's not 100% Connor McDavid. That being said, still if Connor. he's at 75%, he is still probably a top five player in the NHL. So I, I I do think that there are players that you could probably move for Connor McDavid right now. And I think it you have to at least entertain it. Even if he is not at 100% and you acquire Connor McDavid, I still think you're giving yourself a chance this season, right? Like it's not like you're going to tank your whole season. You're acquiring Connor McDavid. So I think that it would be, like you said, Beebs, if this is happening in the middle of the season, nobody would give a shit. Right. If you make it to the playoffs with Connor McDavid on your roster, I don't care if you get in as the eighth seed, as the tenth seed. If you make it in the playoffs with Connor McDavid, you probably have a better chance to win in the playoffs than every single other team there. Because as someone who's gotten his ass just slapped around by Connor McDavid in the last couple of years in the playoffs, it hurts when a guy drops 16 points a week, 14 points yeah, a week. No and he's kidding. capable of doing that, and no one else is capable of doing that. Yeah. We're talking about a guy here who. Before the year started, there was realistic talks in leagues about banning being able to draft him. We've never yeah. had that in fantasy hockey in our life. We've never realistically had that in fantasy sports. Maybe maybe Otani, if you want to talk about baseball, it's a totally different situation, though. So banning a guy because he is too good is insane. And the fact that you even have a chance at a guy like that, I totally agree. He, he does seem hurt. But if you can get him, don't give up five superstars. But, you know, two um depending what we're talking about if it's if it's one of the if you offered about earlier if you offered nikita kucherov to the mcdavid owner right now right now like he it. would think he would have to think about it yeah they would and have to i think the fact that you can even get them thinking means that there's some owners out there who will just exactly. feel that pressure to say yes because J even jt miller no, there you go jt miller and banger leagues like it is mm -hmm. probably going to get some serious consideration and, and might even get the job done um, be insane yeah like <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just depends. Obviously, you know, you know, the people in your league, but um, like you could, I would try as hard as I can. If I have a couple of the guys we talked about earlier, like a Besser, a Brat, uh, a Miller, um, Kopitar, like package those guys together, just to see what you can get. Even if you're throwing two or three of them at, at the guy for Connor McDavid, like you'll be able to listen to the show. You'll be able to replace those roster spots with quality production throughout the season. And yeah, those are guys that we kind of expect to cool off and best case kind of finish back around a point per game. And obviously Connor's upside is way, way above that. Also throw some garbage pieces in there, make it not look like a three for one, go three for three and maybe they'll do it. They'll be like, Oh yeah, equal value. Let's go. The, the other thing I think that's worth mentioning is that, um, like some leagues just have shallow benches and it, the, the waivers are a little bit deeper and, and, and moving some moving more assets to get a guy like McDavid uh, can certainly be worth it. So obviously, you know, it's going to be very difficult. I do think this is the time to do it. And I, while I do believe that there are different injuries, if he is dealing with something, it sounds like it's more of like a core lower body type thing. But Austin Matthews admitted to being injured a season ago, still scored 40 goals, still had 45 assists, was still super good. That was his hand. He's the shooter. If it's McDavid's legs or you know something that's affecting his skating, then you know that that's 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 his bread and butter. So I think those situations are fairly comparable. Um, and I do I do still think McDavid could have a massive year, even if he's not 100. percent 
even if he lingers kind of somewhat unhealthy, takes some days off to get healthy for midseason, by the second half, he's going to be a freak. So, you know, we Still can come on this podcast. Exactly. And we can come on this podcast next Wednesday, and he could have eight points in his next three games, and he'd just be back to Connor McDavid's head. That's why we're saying this is the time. They do play the Sharks tomorrow. He could have eight points tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the narrative you want to try to spin, right? Like, you, you got to put your your BS manipulative hat on uh, and just be a bad person. If, if you're going to try to get this done and um, yeah, point to Matthews last year, like Brock said, it's a perfect example. And just, you know, he's hurt. He doesn't look like himself. He's not right. Like you don't need to take that risk. Like if they took McDavid, they are most likely um, struggling right now. Like, you know, if, if, if you took McDavid, you didn't get another pick until 24, 25 picks later. Um, and yeah, like obviously, you know, he hasn't, his production hasn't made up for that that drop off uh, to whereas that those next guys are really going to pick up for it. So they might be a little bit desperate. You might be looking at uh, an 0 and three or an 0 and four team with Connor McDavid, and uh, that will probably never ever happen again. So. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That is going to do it for the buy low, sell highs uh, of the evening. We do have one more segment to get to here um, with these streamers. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick look at the Betway bet of the day we're going to take a look at thursday's massive slate uh we've got a, a big slate on thursday which isn't surprising we always do it's always fun when you work at daily Faceoff on these busy busy slates but um a couple of the games that i'm looking at are so the first game that i'm looking at tomorrow is we talked about how there's probably regression going to set in eventually for the vancouver canucks but right now they're absolutely sizzling I like the Canucks on the road in Ottawa facing the Senators who are on a back-to-back. They had a huge game tonight, won 6-3 against the Maple Leafs, but they're going to be turning to Anton Forsberg most likely tomorrow with uh, Jonas Corposalo going tonight. So I love the Canucks as minus at minus 110 
in Ottawa tomorrow on Betway. The other game that I'm looking at, we talked about them a lot. We love them on this podcast, and that is the Arizona Coyotes, who are typically a much better team on home ice, but uh, at plus money, plus 100 in St. Louis. The St. Louis Blues, we talked about them. They just cannot score. The Arizona Coyotes have been shockingly good defensively so far this season. So uh, I do think Karel Vamelka will probably get the start there. He can play pretty well in St. Louis and limit the uh, the Blues offensively. Won't probably take more than two or three goals for the Arizona Coyotes. So on the road, plus 100 on Betway for the Arizona Coyotes. Those are, those are my two Betway bets of the day for Thursday's massive slate. Now, in bold and yellow letters. Do not you dare forget about D streamers. So here we go. Send it over to D for the weekend streaming. Thanks so much, Brock. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get right into it. Uh, there's a lot of teams, a lot of players to talk about. We got uh, six games on Friday, 12 games on Saturday, and then five on Sunday. So as per usual, we're going to be looking at the guys playing on those two quieter nights. And luckily this week, we do have a decent amount of options to comb through with four teams playing on both Friday and Sunday. So let's get right into it. Uh, Going to be a little bit of some rehashing here as we talk about the Anaheim Ducks. They got the Flyers at home on Friday, and then they're hosting the Sharks. Yes, those San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Uh, you know, the Ducks, are a great team to target this weekend. They're offering us a pair of really juicy matchups on home ice and a handful of viable options off the waiver wire as well. Uh, in shallow or more impatient leagues, like we talked about, you might even have Trevor Zegers available to you. Uh, he's obviously struggled mightily, like we talked about. Just one goal, one assist to his name. Um, but again, we, we talked about it. A lot of that can just be chalked up to shooting percentages, some bad puck luck. The underlying numbers are really, really good. Some positive regression is on the way for Zegris, and there's no better time for that to happen than the pair of cushy matchups at home this weekend against the Flyers and the Sharks. So love Zegris, particularly this weekend. And, and as I said earlier in the show, I think he's going to be uh, a great value for the rest of the season. Ryan Strom, left wing, right wing eligibility, 33% owned. He's got some red flags in his underlying numbers, but uh, most notably a lack of shot volume and a 14.4% on ice shooting percentage. But again, I wouldn't bet on that cool down happening against the Flyers and the Sharks. Two goals, nine assists for Strom, giving him 11 points in his first 11 games played. Uh, and then in deep release, you got Adam Henrique, center left wing eligibility, 5% owned. Uh, and of course, second overall pick, Leo Carlson, center eligible, 8% owned. Both fine consolation prizes. I'm obviously going to lean Carlson, but that is assuming that he doesn't get rested at all and actually plays both games. Moving on, we got the Florida Panthers, who host the Hurricanes on Friday before hosting the Blackhawks on Sunday. So obviously Friday's matchup, less than ideal as they take on one of the, uh, one of the most, and as Beeves pointed out earlier, actually the most suppressive team in the NHL uh, in terms of giving up shots and scoring chances in the Carolina Hurricanes. But Sunday's tilt against the Blackhawks uh, more than makes up for it. Still makes them an attractive team to target this weekend. Now, obviously, you're not going to find any of the Panthers' primary play drivers on free agents, but they are battling some injuries up front, which is leading to some extended ice time for a pair of players that are more widely available, the first of which is Evan Rodriguez, center, left wing, right wing eligible. He's got all three. He's 45% owned, so no, even if your lineup's a little bit fuller than the average team on Friday or Sunday, you should have no problem squeezing Rodriguez in. Again, 45% owned. That ownership has dipped of late below the 50% mark thanks to a five-game point drought. He did score tonight, so he's already broke out of that. Um, and obviously that's not the kind of form that's going to have you rush into the wire to pick him up, but that heavy usage, the exposure to Barkov and Sam Reinhardt at 5v5 are enough to make Rodriguez a more than viable target this weekend. Sunday's matchup in particular should offer Rodriguez a great chance to get off the schneid. Like I said, he just did so tonight, uh, after I wrote up this neat little blurb. So even despite the cold streak, Rodriguez has still managed to register eight points in 11 games coming into tonight, with 31 shots on goal and an average time on ice of 18 minutes and 14 seconds. If he's unavailable, then you can turn your attention to Anton Lindell, who I believe Brock talked about uh, on his Monday streaming segment. Just uh, center eligible, 7% owned. 
He has just four points on the season, but is currently centering Carter Rehege and Matthew Kachuk on the Panthers' second line. It's also worth noting that all four of those points have come in Lindell's last six games where he's averaged over 17 minutes of ice time. You can expect him to contribute at least a point at minimum to your team's effort this weekend, assuming that usage remains the same. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, the team we've already touched on as well, they're in Buffalo on Friday uh, at home against the Stars on Sunday. Like we said, that return to Matt Boldy, some much-needed line shuffling has left the Wild with a much more balanced top six, and we've got three names worth considering here as a result. Uh, the first of which is Marco Rossi, who we've already talked about. Not going to touch on that anymore, but uh, as we often talk about, if, if a guy's got long-term upside and he lines up as being uh, a, a great streaming target over the weekend, they're going to be one of my top targets simply because uh, you can get him in and he's going to offer you value this weekend. Uh, and just you can have him on your team, give him that two-game audition, make sure that that usage, that role continues the way it has uh, because he should be someone that can offer you uh, a lot of value the rest of the season as well. So just another reason to pick up Marco Rossi right now. Uh, and then Ryan Hartman, center right wing, he's up to 60% owned. So good option in shallower leagues. Um, I have seen him drop in some shallower leagues of mine with Rossi moving up to the top line. Uh, and then Marcus Johansson, left wing, 5% owned. Uh, more than worthy of consideration in any format, despite his own percentage being as low as it is. He's skating with Hartman and Matt's Zuccarello at 5v5, while also seeing time with the top power play unit. We mentioned there's five forwards on that unit right now. He is the fifth forward, uh, and he's been particularly productive of late, picking up a goal and seven assists over his last nine games. Lack of shot volume, that's always going to limit Johansson's goal-scoring upside. That's just his MO, but he's a safe bet to pad your assist totals this weekend. Uh, last and least, we have the San Jose Sharks, Thomas Hurdle. Center eligible, 35% owned, the only viable option here. It's amazing that there's even one. If he's not available, then the Sharks are a very obvious fade. They're averaging 1.16 goals a game and could very well end up being one of the worst offensive teams we have ever seen play in the National Hockey League. Uh, the fact that Hurdle has even managed seven points in 12 games on this roster is an accomplishment worthy of Hart Trophy consideration. And if we scaled the Art Ross Trophy for quality of line mates, he'd be a front runner. So uh, I, I, incredibly impressive what Hurdle's been able to do. Uh, and uh, hopefully we see him move on before the season's done and, and see what he can actually do uh, and, and you know, kind of regain some of that production on that form that we've seen in recent years. But for now, uh, he makes an okay streaming option this weekend. Uh, I think he's been involved in over 50% of their goals, which is just insane. And then moving on to the goaltenders, uh, don't expect any help off the wire on Friday. There are only two teams playing Thursday, Friday this week, meaning we can only project a backup to get the nod for Minnesota, and you're not going to find either of Gustafson or Fleury in the free agent pool in standard size leagues, uh, and San Jose, who, of course, we are fading for the very obvious reasons stated earlier. Luckily, there are four teams playing back-to-back -back on Saturday and Sunday, meaning there will be a small handful of backups to choose from on Sunday, but you'll want to act fast to secure one of the two premium options, the first of which will be Casey DeSmith, uh, <laughs> a favorite of mine in the past. Um, he's just always been solid when he gets the opportunity, you know, he's not the most outstanding goal in the league, but generally if he's got a good team playing in front of him, uh, he can get you the win. So just 6% owned should be in line to take on the Canadians in Montreal on Sunday. The Canucks are in Toronto on Saturday where you can bet your house that Thatcher Demko is getting the start, which will lead to Smith to handle the much more favorable matchup against the Habs on Sunday to Smith as per usual, he's been just solid this season, 905 save percentage, 3.07 goals against average and a two Oh and one record. Should continue to get great goal support from the Canucks. Um, and this is just a situation where you can chase the win in an easy matchup without worrying about the potential damage to your split. So a really, really good Sunday start there for DeSmith. Uh, and then the other premium spot start on Sunday belongs to the Dallas Stars and Scott Wedgwood, 3% owned. The Stars will be in Winnipeg on Saturday. Uh, I would say it's less obvious that they go with Ottinger, but again, traditional um, 
coaching philosophies would have the starter going on the front end of the back-to-back. So I would assume Jay Gottinger is going to get the nod in Winnipeg before making uh, before the Stars make the short trip to Minnesota on Sunday. The Stars will be road favorites over the Wild, and Wedgwood has performed well when called upon this season. Uh, he owns a 9-11 save percentage and a 2-1-0 record across his first three starts of the season. And the other two uh, projected backups on Sunday will both be serving on teams that will be sizable underdogs, namely the Canadians against the Canucks and the Blue Jackets against the Rangers. Uh, so Samuel Montembeau, Primo, Allen, whoever gets the nod, I'm not really interested for the Canadians on Sunday. I'd much rather be on the other side of that matchup. And Spencer Martin, 1% owned. Uh, all those guys, nothing more than a, a pair of desperation plays. So uh, hopefully, like I said, get to, the, get to the wire either Saturday night or early Sunday morning uh, and make a move for uh, just Smith or Wedgwood, or, or better yet, if you can afford it, if you got the room on your roster, make the move even earlier and you don't got to worry about the Sunday morning sweat. I think there's a couple other goalies you could probably throw in there as well. John Gibson, around 40% owned. Um, if they continue with their goaltending rotation, that would set him up to face the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Could be a nice matchup for you to close out the week with John Gibson. Um, if they if they want to continue to roll with him, he could also start on Friday against the Flyers and Sunday against the Sharks. Uh, Lucas Dostal also available. So one of those guys is going to get uh, that start against the Sharks on Sunday, which would be huge. They're both widely available. Um, I think I, not somebody that I would rush the wire to pick up right now, but certainly somebody I would keep an eye on on Sunday. If you're, if you're in need of a start, I think that uh, Anthony Stellars is probably going to get a, a start here soon to give Bobrovsky a breather Sunday against the Chicago Blackhawks would be a perfect opportunity uh, to do that. So keep an eye on him on Sunday, dailyfaceoff.com. We'll obviously have all of that information uh, locked down for you. So those are a couple names that I would also just be keeping on an eye on that aren't on back-to-backs, but certainly guys that could get the nod in very, very favorable matchups. So that is going to do it for the 17th episode of the ninth season of the DFO fantasy podcast presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet bet on Betway, please play responsibly on terror only must be 19 years of age or older. I'm your host, Brock Segan. As always, we got Dylan Dibertium and Michael Beebs Bondi. We'll see you guys back here next week. Get out there. Buy low, sell high. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 